ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And all the people said? Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25, of course, says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we as you see the day approaching. That word forsaking means abandoning, deserting, uh, forsaking, to leave behind. And um, unfortunately, that is an epidemic. Uh, for a lot of churches in our country and I think around the world, um, the forsaking of the assembling of ourselves together. Um, I, we couldn't fit in this auditorium. And people that, unfortunately, just in my years here, have chosen to forsake the assembly. Not that they've gone on to another church. I'm not counting those. I mean, those that just, they've quit. They don't want to go anymore. That is the forsaking and I say that to say this statement, we need church. Uh, we all need church. Um, now, the Bible says that Christ is the chief cornerstone. Uh, we're in Ephesians, look in chapter number 2. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 20. Ephesians 2, verse 20 says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Um, again, Christ is the chief cornerstone of this building that's kind of metaphored here. Each New Testament church is likened to a building, and the fact that it is referred to in the Bible as the temple of God or the house of God. Uh, I read that in many different passages. Um, First Timothy, that we know how to behave ourselves in the house of God. First uh, Corinthians 3 refers to the temple of God. And we as members of this church, we that are members of Cazado Baptist Temple, we are, First Peter talks about this, like stones fitly put together. We make up this church. We make up this house of God. And, you know, you start removing... At some people's houses, the bricks out of your house, or start removing the pieces that form the building, your building's going to have issues. It's not going to be right. It's going to struggle fulfilling its purpose. And I say that just to remind every member of Kazado Baptist Temple that it pleased God to set you in this church. And we all have a purpose that God has ordained for us as members in this church. Every member should be active in the church and actively doing whatever it is that God has desired and enabled us to do. Um, every building that's ever been constructed has a purpose. And so the church has a purpose. Generally speaking, the church should, uh, again, we, as members of this church, this church should experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2, again in verse number 22, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 
Uh, look back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19. What, again, I know it's speaking to us as individual people here, but you understand, and I know you do, that the church is not made up of these walls, these buildings, this property. The church is made up of its members, it's you and I. And the Bible says in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 6, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The temple of the Holy Ghost. One reason, again, as we look at these buildings and what the, you know, the church, and, I, and I'm not referring to a building as in the bricks and stones that make up this, all right? I mean, we, us, one purpose is to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, of the Lord working. We should recognize, see, and experience the presence of God in our lives. If you say, well, I don't experience any of that, well, there's something wrong with your spiritual life then. It requires being saved. It requires having a walk with God and a consistent uh, fellowship with the Lord. But God desires for his presence to be known in our lives. So one reason is that. A second, obviously, in 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is to be the pillar and the ground of truth. A pillar supports the truth. Um, the church has been given the responsibility to uphold the truth. And that's why it's sad when the church gets off into heresy or when a church apostatizes because truth is suffering. I understand it's a great responsibility, all of the Lord's churches. Um, you, know, I, you know, our church, and then uh, I don't know if the Gables have been mentioned yet, but Brother Gable and his family, they're good friends of mine, and uh, appreciate them and their members at Lehigh Valley Baptist Church. And, and uh, praise the Lord for their church. It's a good church to support their missionaries. And, but our church and their church and all of God's churches, we need to take this responsibility very seriously that we are to be the pillar and ground of truth. In other words, a pillar upholds the truth, and the ground is the foundation for the truth. And by that, I'm not saying that Kazato Baptist Temple or Lehigh ever makes up truth, all right? But it should be the place where people can come to learn of truth. It is a place where people can sit in our seats and listen to the truth being preached and not have to question these things. The church is the pillar and ground of truth. Not Facebook. Amen. All right. Uh, not people's blogs, not people's, you know, writings, not books. But the Lord's churches are the pillar and the ground of truth. So it's the presence of the, of the Lord and the Holy Spirit, the pillar and ground of truth, and it should be the place of priestly service. Look over in 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and in verse number 5. 1 Peter 2 and in verse number 5. says this, here's that verse I was referring to us as making part of this building here. He also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. In verse number nine, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Verse number nine, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Every believer, we have been made a priest. Um, 
In the Old Testament, the priest would go and they would offer sacrifices and they would be animal sacrifices as a picture of what Christ would one day do. We as New Testament priests, we don't have animal sacrifices and praise the Lord for that. Uh, but uh, we don't have uh, that, but we do are to present here ourselves as a living sacrifice. As a priest, we come to God's house to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. It is God ordained that the church, the local church, is to be the place of service for a New Testament believer. Again, unto him be glory in the church. First Corinthians in chapter number three, you don't have to turn there, but you should be familiar with it, that one day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In the Bible, well, let's look at that. Read it that real quick, right? I want to show you something. First Corinthians chapter number three. And in verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Is that metaphor we're looking at? According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he is that chief cornerstone. Paul said, I have built on that, and that work is to be built upon. Verse 12, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So the work that we do, the gold, the precious stones, the things that are eternal, that we build on the right foundation, these things will receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Now, you don't have to be a member of a church to go to heaven. You need to be saved to go to heaven. But if you're saved, you should be a member of a local church. And the only place where God receives the glory and the only place where we should build upon the foundation is in a local church. And I know all the teaching here about wasting our time and, and uh, on frivolous things and things that don't matter in the wood, hay, and stubble, and absolutely, all right? But Paul also told the Timothy that there's many people who are striving for master, masteries, but they're not going to receive that if they do not strive lawfully. When we go outside the local church and say, well, I don't need a church. I'm just going to serve God. Eternally reward speaking, as my grandpa would say, you're spinning your wheels. Unto him be glory in the church. We're to build on that foundation. And the local church should be the center of our service to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the church is of great importance. God gave us three institutions. He gave us the home. The home is a place for provision. He gave us the government, which is a place for protection. And then he gave us the church, which God gave us for perfection. So that we might grow and mature. And so I gave all that to get to our main point. What is the purpose of church? We've been studying church, so what is the purpose? 
Um, we're not here, right, to uh, you know have concerts and entertain everybody and nothing wrong with good singing, nothing wrong with having fun. But a lot of churches have become nothing more than a social club and the pastors as a cruise ship activities director. That's not what church is about. We're not here to... And let me make sure I explain this word. We're not here to save the world. And by that I mean this. We're not ushering in some kingdom for God. We're not going to... And there are a lot of people that believe that. I can name names if you like. They're very popular on TV and stuff, right? But they're wanting to, you know, usher in so we as Christians can change all the government and control the government and we can control the entertainment world and we can control, uh, you know, uh, what, what people are listening to and looking and, and journalism and, and Christians can just take over and we'll usher in this utopian Christian society it's not going to happen. Not that we're not trying to reach people for the Lord. Don't get me wrong, all right? But this world will one day be destroyed in a fervent heat. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth, right? We're not here to save the world and to transform it into something that God can use. All right? We're not here to serve the world. A church is not here to... And I'm all for helping, you know, we had the tornado a year ago. You know, we set up in town and fed people and did what we could because that's just being a Christian. Loving your neighbor as yourself, all right? Uh, but the main purpose of Kazada Baptist Temple is not to feed the hungry or to take dirty water and make it drinkable for some, you know, tribe and some foreign land. I'm all for helping people, but that's not the purpose of church. We're not here to feed hungry water or fight for certain rights. Or That's not the purpose of a church. We're, we're not here to take over the world. We're not here to, uh, um, you know, like the Muslims teach, to use a sword and take over and force. The Catholics did that for years and still will. Uh, but uh, that's not our job. It's not the purpose of a church. Nor are we to simulate the world. We're not to be like the world. We're not to take on the world's characteristics and all that is in the world and, and bring it into the church. God's churches should be separate from the world. It should be distinct. So what is our purpose? And simply stated, here they are. And uh, we'll look at a few verses, but write them down. All right, look them up on your own time. All right, study this. All right. Because as members of a church, it's really important. Number one, our purpose is to love God. And I didn't put these in a priority list. I'm just telling you things the Bible says we're to be doing as the Lord's church. All right? We're to love God. Revelation chapter 20, chapter 2. Sorry, Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Revelation chapter 2 and in verse number 1. It says this, And to the angel of the church at Ephesus write, Revelation 2, 1, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, these different letters, these different messages are two distinct churches. And for time's sake, skip down to verse number four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. And again, we got a lot going on. We have 
all kinds of ministries. We have all kinds of programs and Sunday school classes, and we have activities, and we do a lot, missions, and but you can do all of this service. We can have preaching and people getting up. We could, we could have a month of revival meetings and someone getting up. and We could go door knocking every day. We can feed the poor. We can do all these things. But First Corinthians teaches if it's not done with love, it's done in vain. And that love, first and foremost, is directed to the Lord. We got a lot of Sunday school teachers on Thursday night sitting in here, a lot next door working with our kids. We got junior church workers, we got buses, we got nursing homes, pastor. Whether I'm preaching or whether we're driving a bus or teaching a Sunday school, if we're not doing it out of a heart because we love God, it's going to become very tiresome. It's going to become very monotonous. It's going to become too hard, too difficult. There's joy that is found that at last when we serve and we do what we do because we love the Lord. And I hope, you know, I love my wife. This morning she was, you know, she was joking. I, she asked me to do something. I was like, oh, I'll do it. Not right now. But I will. And she goes, oh. and she pulled what my kids always used to say is joking. And she goes, you don't love me, do you? And she was joking. There was not. And, and I was just like, don't even say that. She's like, I oh, know, I'm sorry. I was just joking, right? And, uh, you know, she was just joking. But, uh, you know, the reality is this. I love my wife. I'm so thankful for my wife. And I tell my wife I love her every day. It's important, and again, don't. this is just a scripture verse from the book of Jude, that we strive to keep ourselves in the love of God. It doesn't mean to keep God loving us. He'll always love you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's us knowing and living in light of the fact God loves me and I love him. And if you don't have a walk with the Lord and you don't have fellowship with God and you're serving without the relationship that God wants you to have with him and you're not doing what you do out of love listen don't teach your Sunday school class because pastor expects it don't go soul winning because if you don't someone might think bad about you don't make coming to church just so no one calls a check on you everything we do should be because we love the Lord and as much as every day, there's this one man when I first became pastor, he's in heaven, I think, and uh, he, uh, he came to me, <laughs> and he said, I was preaching on loving your spouse, and he goes, I've been married 52 years. I told her the day I married her that I loved her, and I told her if that ever changes, I'll let her know. He said, I don't ever tell her. I don't have to. And I said, you're a jerk. He was like, excuse me? I said, you're a jerk. He was like, you got pretty mad at me. So they left church. I don't understand. Uh, but, uh, but I told him the truth. I'm glad God doesn't treat us that way, and that's what I told him. 
God wants us to know every day he loads us with benefits. Amen. Every day he shows us his mercy and love. You can't pick up this book without seeing the love that God has for us. God is love. And I hope that you understand that as members of this church, we have a purpose to love God. So love him. The second purpose is to display grace. To display God's grace. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7. There's lots of verses we could turn to. Uh, but in Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse number 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. Through Christ Jesus. Our life ought to be about being an example that God may show his grace through our lives. We are able to share with others and make it known how great God is. Listen. The world ought to see us as believers and see the grace of God in our lives. I had someone ask us that wasn't in church one time, asked me, he said, you and your wife, you seem so happy. How does that work? I said, it's all God. Praise the Lord. I just told our addictions program when I was speaking to them, I thank God I've never drank. I thank God I've uh, never taken drugs. I thank God I've never... You know, set in a casino. I, I thank God. I, all these things. And I, I said, but understand this. If it was up to me, I would have done it all. Because my flesh is wicked. It's only because of God's grace I can say those things. And I'm thankful for the grace of God. And you ought to be, that means this, Christian. Look happy. Because you should be happy. If the world only ever sees you, you're the grouchiest person that goes to the restaurant... Shame on you. If you're the person that the waiters and waitresses are arguing that they don't have to serve your table, shame on you. Leave them a $100 tip next time and tell them you're sorry. Amen. I mean that because you treated them wrong. You need, to get, you need to show grace, God's grace, how good he's been to you, the difference he's made in your life, and then, this is the hard part, show that grace to other people. Amen. Show that grace to others. You say, well, they treated me wrong. Well, God sure has been long-suffering and patient with you. And God sure has been long-suffering and patient with me. I think we should show that to others too. But we're here to make known the grace of God, to display his grace. Number three, to evangelize. Matthew chapter number 28, obviously the Great Commission. We know this passage. Matthew chapter 28, uh, next three points will be from right here but uh, the purpose again the lord gave this great commission to the church he didn't give it to individuals because no individual can do what god asked to do here uh, he did not give it to the apostles because the apostles died they can't couldn't done it today but he gave it to the, his churches and we have this great commission to take out and the first part of this is to evangelize the world matthew 28 verse 19 go ye therefore and teach all nations to go and to as Mark says, to preach the gospel to every creature, to evangelize. Again, it's not our job to save. That's the Lord's. He does the saving. We do the evangelism. We do the witnessing. We do the sharing. In church, I just want to encourage you, let's be a witness. Let's consciously, again, make it part of our life. Uh, pass out tracts. Speak to people. You know, um, this uh, met this one family that 
uh, her, her and her husband have been at this conference last week. They uh, got married nine months ago. Uh, they were not saved. They were not in church. And, uh, and one of the members of the church out there bought something on Facebook, went and uh, met the person, did the transaction, which you always feel like you're like evil when you do this, don't you? You got the stuff? I got the stuff. You hand the money in a parking lot, you pass it over, right? Uh, but they, she didn't look, uh, the lady that bought some things looked at this lady and told her, said, I also want to invite you to church. And that lady said, I used to go to church when I was a kid. And her husband that she just married nine months ago found out he has leukemia just recently. And they said, we've been talking about God. And, and they showed up the next week. They got saved. Uh, they, they've been going to church now these last like six months. And they were at the marriage conference and they're excited about the Lord. And that man, he said, I still got leukemia. He said, but he said, I'm trusting God. He said, whatever he wants. He said, but now I know I'm going to heaven. Because some lady invited someone to church and spoke up for the Lord. Let's not forget that church. Let's continue to do these things. But evangelize, to share the gospel to every means that we can, all right? Uh, be it, in, obviously, church, tracks, witnessing, our soul winning, our, uh, you know, just our daily life, our, our Sunday schools, our, you know, everything we do. We're trying to get the gospel out, all right? But evangelism, but also then in Matthew 28, to baptize the church. And we already talked about this, so I'm going to preach it again because we looked at the ordinances. But it says in verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The church has been given the ordinance of baptism. The church has the authority to baptize. And, uh, and so it's one of the church's purpose to baptize believers. Also in verse number 20, to teach all things to believers. It says, teaching them, these, those that have been saved and baptized, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. To teach. Um, that's what we're doing tonight. I'm not preaching anything new to Gazetta Baptist Temple. Um, these things have been taught and preached in institute classes and in services before me and some by me. Say, so why are we doing it again? Because we have new converts. We have people sitting in our, our, our auditorium that uh, hasn't been taught these things. And, and we have young people that are growing and they're sitting in church and they're learning. And, and I want them to know these things because if it's not continually taught, the devil, well, the Bible says, lest we let them slip. These things can slip away. So I want to reiterate it again, uh, these different doctrines we've been looking at on Thursday nights. But to love God, to display grace, to evangelize the world. Four, to baptize believers. Five, to teach all things to believers. Number six, uh, sixth purpose is to edify believers. In Ephesians chapter number four, uh, verse number 11, Ephesians four. We'll look at two more verses and then I'll probably just give you the references. But Ephesians chapter number four. And in verse number 11, to edify believers. The Bible says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, 
from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We have a responsibility as a church to be edifying believers, to build up our believers, to, uh, again, I know you said teach them all things, yes, absolutely, but also to encourage each other, to help each other along the way, to be accountable to one another, but to um, see that we are growing in our grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to lift up, to encourage but we're here to edify, uh, number, uh, what is it, seven, uh, to provide Christian fellowship. Look at 1 John chapter number one. 1 John chapter number one, to provide Christian fellowship. 1 John chapter number one, and in verse number three. 1 John one and verse number three. says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I preached on this text a few weeks ago. If you remember, i seen this passage that ultimately it's about fellowshipping with the Lord. It says there that we heard declare unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. Um, I would venture to say that most of us in this auditorium, if we have a fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if we have fellowship with God, and praise the Lord, we're saved. That's why you, I know that's why you're here. But probably the most of us, it started because there was someone else who had fellowship, and they reached out to you. And they built a relationship with you. You saw Christ in them. I'm thankful growing up, I grew up in church. And uh, didn't get saved, I was 14. But I saw in my parents. I saw in my grandparents. I saw in my Sunday school teachers. Through their life and them reaching out to me and investing in me. And I saw Christ in them. And I began to fellowship with them and I began to learn. And just as Timothy with his mother and grandmother... The scriptures were used to make me wise unto salvation. And one of the great purposes of church is that we can fellowship with one another as we fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number four, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. God wants us to be happy. And if, but if you're not fellowshipping with your church and with the Lord, you're going to struggle with joy. That our joy might be full. Verse 5, this then is the message we have heard of him declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Not going back to church discipline, but you and I as part of a church... We should want to glorify God. We should want to live a holy life. We should hold each other accountable. We should be learning these things, displaying the grace of God. And as we fellowship with the Lord and with each other, our joy will be full. And it also keeps and protects us from straying off in a dark world. Fellowship's important. 
what are we doing tonight? We're, we're, we're worshiping the Lord. We're praying. We're for each other. We're, we'll talk about that in a minute. We're lifting each other up before the Lord. We're praying for requests on our heart. We're, uh, we're, we're learning the scriptures. We're teaching all things. And before church, you know, we talked. We had fellowship. After church, I love people stand around. And we speak to each other and we talk to each other. And because church, we need fellowship. It's important. It's one of the things the church will provide and should provide. Uh, next, uh, I keep going, but uh, next, all right, to provide for our own. To provide for our own. Um, we, we've been instructed uh, in James, we're pretty close there, James chapter 1 and verse number 27 pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their afflictions, to keep himself unspotted from the world. Galatians talks about that if we don't provide, right, especially those of the household of faith, right? Again, we're not a socialistic community, you know, all sharing each other's bills and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. Now, that was a necessary thing that they did do in the book of Acts whenever all these people got saved and they weren't going back home because they were growing and learning in the Lord and they were literally from all over the area from foreign lands and, and they needed, they didn't have jobs there, they needed help and the church displayed what I'm talking about and people, some went and sold land and just gave the money, some brought them into their own home but they took care of each other because we love each other. And the church should help in those cases. And our church, and I'm, I'm thankful for that, our church does that. Uh, we see a need. We'll help each other. We'll step up. And um, again, not afraid to be a blessing to each other. And um, so it's one of the great responsibilities. You say, why? You know, you took up an offering for so-and-so. Why would you do that? Well, because that's what churches do. Now, again, there's got to be a lot of, and I believe that's the whole part about laying at the, the, the apostles' feet, all right? You know, like as a pastor, I know if someone's like, some guy's been like, well, I've had five job opportunities, I just don't want to work, but hey, I need the church to pay all my bills. No. Get a job, right? That's what the Bible teaches, right? Um, you know, but when there's needs, be it groceries, bills, um, you know, funeral expenses, when there's a legitimate need, and I thank the Lord for this, our church has never backed down from those things. Because that's part of being a church. We'll help take care of each other. Again, that's not abused, and I'm thankful for that. But it is in the scriptures. We should never, you know, shy away from that. You know, praise the Lord when the hotnets needed a van, the, the needs were met, right? Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, there's some tax liabilities, and praise the Lord. Uh, you know, we could just go on and on and talk about things, but I'm thankful for a church that understands this, that we will try to help provide for each other when those needs are there. Uh, next, just write this down, Romans 11, 11. Another purpose of a church given the scriptures is to provoke Israel to jealousy. That's what the Bible says. Israel ought to, and they will one day, but the great relationship that we have with the Lord Someday Israel's relationship with God will be restored. I believe all Israel will be saved, because that's what the Bible says. Unfortunately, I believe that is after two-thirds of Israel has been destroyed, 
But as the minor prophet says, there will come a day when the people of Israel will lift up their eyes and say, Behold our God. And God will say, Behold my people. But our life, as the book of Song of Solomon, I believe, represents in a wonderful way, as she refers to her mother's sons, uh, instead of, she doesn't call them her brothers, uh, but uh, when all of a sudden she is with her beloved, which I believe is a picture of one day, the Lord will call all of us home. I believe we, as the Lord's churches, will be as a bride with the heavenly bridegroom. And at that point, I believe Israel will begin to see and uh, notice the plan of God and the love of God and how God has worked in these last thousands of years. But Paul said it, we're to provoke Israel to jealousy. Next, to restrain evil and to promote good. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 16, we are referred to that as salt and light. But to restrain evil, to promote good. I mean this, it's my true thinking. America deserves the judgment of God. God is being very patient with this country. I believe one of the reasons is because you don't ever get the man of God syndrome. You know, we're the only church. You're not. There are many, many of the Lord's churches that are still holding the truth, still preaching the truth, still affecting their communities, still being a salt and light. I believe we ought to speak up. I believe we ought to share the truth and love. But a church should be that salt in preserving and holding back evil. It should be that light in promoting good. Which means this, that when a lost world sees us, they should feel uncomfortable in their sin. And they should at least get a glimpse of what good is. And the Lord's church should be a representation of that. Sadly today... A lot of churches are just, you can't tell a difference between a lost world and a lot of churches today. And they cease being that salt and light, but that is a responsibility of the church. And ultimately, it's about this, and let's end where we started in Ephesians chapter number 3 and in verse number 21. The church's purpose is to love God, to display grace, to evangelize the world, to baptize believers, to teach all things to believers, to edify believers to provide Christian fellowship, to provide for our own, to provoke Israel to jealousy, to restrain evil, and to promote good. Ephesians 3, verse 21, Unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Lastly, for our list tonight, the church's purpose is to glorify God. Everything we do should be to glorify the Lord. How does the church do that? We praise Him. We praise Him in our song. We praise Him in our testimony. But we praise Him. How do we glorify God? In prayer. You understand, Brother Tyler took some prayer requests tonight. and He bowed his head and led us in prayer. And we prayed for these requests tonight. But you understand, we didn't break the news to God about anything. We didn't mention one request that God was like whoa what happened <laughs> praise the lord for that 
What's the purpose of prayer then? We are recognizing God, we can't. But you can. You are able, and we are trusting you with this. And we're glorifying God in our prayer. We glorify God in our, our fruit bearing, our witnessing. When we open our mouth and confess Him, we're confessed in heaven. But we glorify God. We glorify God in our giving. When we give, we give our tithes and our offerings. And our heart towards God is reflected in our giving. We glorify God through the preaching and the ministry of the church. May the Lord be lifted up in every message. May our life and our ministry point to Him. We glorify God in our love towards each other. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one toward another. When there's bitterness and schisms and fighting in the Lord's church, it's blasphemy to God. And our testimony should be one of love for each other. We glorify God in our confessing Christ. Don't ever be ashamed to give a testimony for the Lord. We glorify God at times through our suffering. There are going to be things that we go through. I think most of us that are in this auditorium have been around long enough to know this, that sometimes we go through rough things. Some of our members have been through very dark days. There's been trials and heartaches. And while I don't look back and ever want to go through these things again, I am thankful I can look back and see how God worked through those things. And even in our times of suffering, because a lost world is watching and young believers are watching, may we glorify God through that. Through our suffering, we glorify God through a strong faith. See, what do you mean, strong faith? If you sit in church 20 years and you haven't grown in the Lord doctrinally, you haven't grown in the Lord, you know, in your holiness, or you're just kind of just sitting through church for years, you say, can that really happen? Oh, it happens a lot. For one thing, you're hurting yourself greatly spiritually. But secondly, you're not giving glory to God. Because what you're saying is, you're not really worth my time. You're not worth my study. You're not worth my commitment. And we disregard preaching and we disregard our walk with the Lord. We disregard teachings on doctrines and faith. And we just, hey, I go to church. What more do you want? It's not about. Ultimately, it's about honoring the Lord. And He is worthy. So we glorify Him through our strong faith. And we glorify the Lord through holding the truth. We continually preach these things and go through doctrines and because it's our responsibility as a church to be a pillar and ground of truth and it's a means of glorifying the Lord because he asked us to do it he commanded us to do it and to disregard God's command and to let truth slip away and to allow apostasy is to show great dishonor and disrespect to the Lord so even when we teach these things and we have institute classes and we have all these things and you see all this stuff important, it is. Because the church has a purpose. Why do we do all these things? Because God's given us a purpose. 
whether it's sitting next door in an institute class or in a service or in junior church or in Kids of Palooza right now or at the nursing home on Sunday and Tuesday and Thursday or be it in our soul winning or be it in our music ministry and our Sunday school class, be it getting on a hot bus in August. We're doing it because we want to glorify the Lord. And that's what churches do. And again, I didn't say you have to have a bus route to be a, a purpose church, but you do have to love God. And you do have to be displaying grace and evangelizing and baptizing and all these things we talked about. And every ministry of our church should be for these purposes. We have a biblical foundation for what we do. And without that, ministries will come and go. You know, but these are the things that the Bible commands us to. And may we be focused on doing what the Lord told us to. So let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you, Lord.